Hey, this is David and Nicole Binion, pastors of Dwell Church. We're so glad you've joined us and we hope you enjoy today's message. You launched a couple weeks ago a series that we plan to be in for a little while. Uh, we're uncertain how long, I would, I dare to say maybe a couple of months, um, called Knowing God. And you just, it was a beautiful uh, beginning. You talked about the Trinity. God is Trinity. God is yes. Trinity. So who is God? Who is God? Ask your neighbor, who is God? I'm going to read you a passage of scripture. Psalm 86, starting with verse 5, it says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. And shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. I, I, I would hear it in, when we'd go sing with some of our friends in the black church. They said, he's God all by himself. Yes. You alone. You were going to say something there. You brought your mic up, babe. You were going to say something. I know. You do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Um, I want to read this psalm in the Passion Translation. I'm going to start at verse 8. It says, God, there's no one like you. There's no other God as famous as you. You outshine all others, and your miracles make it easy to know you. Mm. Lord Almighty, you are the one who created all the nations. Look at them. They're all on their way. <laughs> yes, the day will come when they all will worship you and put your glory on display. You are the one and only God you're God all by yourself. What miracles, what wonders, what greatness belongs to you? Teach me more about you. Does anybody feel that way? Let's, let's say that. Teach me more about you, how you work and how you move so that I can walk onward in your truth until everything within me brings honor to your name. <laughs> With all my heart and passion, I will thank you, my God. I will give glory to your name always and forever. Okay, we're going to dive in, but I just want to pray before we... Uh, I, I know we have had such... Um, as we've been giving ourselves to this study, um, the Lord has just been so um, real and present. And um, so, Father, I just pray tonight, God, as we dive into this topic of knowing you more, becoming more like you, 
and and un- having an inkling of an understanding because uh. that's really all we could <laughs> really have. But God, as we come to know you more, your greatness, how big you are, this transcendent God has become, became uh, incarnate and made himself known to us. May we forever be in awe of that. But be with us tonight, God, as we dive into this. Give us wisdom and revelation and let your word come alive to us like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. I love our conversations as we're walking. We took a walk outside yesterday and we're, we're talking about this. And so I love the conversations we're having. And I felt like uh, yesterday we got, maybe it was Friday night, we got a wink from God. Um, Cole was looking for some information from some writings from your grandpa. And I just knew where this box was in the garage and I, I brought it in. And so we opened it up and there were, I don't know, 30 little books of sermons from your grandpa. And uh, you opened up the first one, and the first sermon from 1969 was titled, Knowing God. And I'm like, okay, I think, I think if I questioned, uh, I don't question now. But it was just a, a, a smile. Sweet, sweet wink from yes. the Lord. Yeah. Um, we were made to know God, and we were made to reflect his image to the world all around us. Um, I used this quote a couple weeks ago. A.W. Tozer famously wrote that what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our view of God shapes our view of everything else. Knowing God is foundational to the Christian life. Our walk with God will not progress if we do not grow in our knowledge of him. Yet, in our time, we're far more likely to see self-help books on the shelves than books exploring who God is. We are a culture obsessed with ourselves. I don't know why they do that. They're always taking the selfies and going, doing the lips. I don't know. (laughs) Many of us have taken every personality test known to man. Guilty. (laughs) In an attempt to understand ourselves. And, you know, I, I think we've had some pretty good ones. I think they're helpful. But what if the best measure for knowing who we are is to know who God is? What if we stopped trying to make God just like us and started to see how he has called us to become more like him? How we view God impacts how we view everything. As we get into this, I think you'll begin to understand. But I want to say that again. How we view God impacts how we view everything. And our struggles and our sin are rooted in a wrong view of God. It's no coincidence 
that at the dawn of creation, Satan sought to make Eve question who God is and what he said. Hear me. If the enemy can convince us that God is not who he says he is, we can easily fall into temptation. A right understanding of who God is gives our faith a foundation to rest upon. Knowing God draws us into an intimate relationship with him that enables us to flee sin and run to the arms of Jesus. One of the ways to know God is to study and understand his attributes. So that's what we're going to kind of step into. His attributes. We're diving into the attributes of God. Attribute, an attribute is a quality or characteristic ascribed to someone or something. So our plan is to walk walk slowly through the attributes of God um, in the coming weeks. But we will see the ways in which God is totally different from us. And we will also see the ways that we are called to become more like him. We will see that God can be known. Say that again. We will see that God can be known. Understanding who he is puts every aspect of our life into perspective. So our prayer is that, um, that you would know God more today than yesterday. Is that your prayer? Do you want that? I know I do. What are the attributes of God? What are the attributes let's kinda, of God? Let's see. Let's talk <laughs> about yes. them. Yes. So, um, so we're going we're gonna to list the attributes of God, and then we're going to dive into a couple tonight. Are, y'all ready? Okay. And we're kinda, we're, we're not tag listing. teaming tonight. We don't do this often. From time to time, we do. So we, We're not listing all of them. As, as we started studying the attributes of God, different theologians list them. A lot of them are similar. Some of them are different. But we're just going to list some Uh, And then we'll start unpacking over the weeks. So God is independent, meaning he is self-existent and self-sufficient. God is eternal. God is immutable. God is infinite and omnipresent. God is omniscient. God is wise. God is truthful. God is good. He is faithful. God is love. God is merciful. Gracious and patient. God is holy, righteous, and we don't like to talk about this one, wrathful. Everybody say wrathful. He intensely hates all sin. God is omnipotent. God is perfect. Yes. Um, So we're first going to look at the attributes that highlight God's transcendence or his majesty. Transcendence. Transcendence. That's a big word. It's a big word. So I looked it up for you because I thought you might need a definition. Mm. Um, Transcendence means being beyond comprehension. So until we look at his transcendence and majesty, we cannot truly appreciate the idea of his imminence. What is imminence? I'm so glad you Another big word. Um, Imminence is being within the limits of possible experience or knowledge. Okay, so this transcendent, majestic God who is beyond comprehension has made himself known to us. Okay, that's a huge statement. This transcendent God has made himself imminent. Yeah. And when we understand that, 
It's easy to worship him. His, the nature of God makes me want to worship him. The character of God makes me love and trust him. This God who is so great wants to be with little old me. Mm, what is man that thou art mindful of him? This vast, majestic, transcendent God decides to come within the framework of time and be near. It's amazing. The psalmist says in Psalm 93, verses 1 and 2, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. In 2 Peter, the first chapter of the 16th verse, the apostle Peter is recalling the vision that he had on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Yeah, J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, said this, in our modern world, we focus on the thought that God is personal. But this truth is so stated as to leave the impression that God is a person of the same kind as we are. Weak, inadequate, ineffective, and a little pathetic. But this is not the God of the Bible. Our personal life is a finite thing. It is limited in every direction, in space, in time, in knowledge, in power. But God is not so limited. He is eternal, infinite, and almighty. He has us in his hands. We never have him in ours. Like us, he is personal, but unlike us, he is great. I want to read that line again. He has us in his hands. We never have him in ours. I just felt like Granny Binion. Granny Binion uh, would always, if something was really good, she would kind of do this little thing and go, oh, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> but I, I, I held on you to it. You didn't do it. I yeah. didn't do okay. it. God is self, this is another, this is the next attribute. God is self-existent and eternal. God has no origin. When I was a kid, I thought origin, I thought it was origin. Because it comes, you know, where we get the word original, so I thought it was origin. But it's not, it's, it's origin. Kind of, like, kind of like politics, I thought it was politics. politics. Yeah. <laughs> I have been corrected. I, I just thought today. celebrity. No. <laughs> I thought celebrity was celebrity. So okay. Yeah, okay. So, I think we all have been there, right? <laughs> right. God has no origin, and He has no end. He doesn't have a date of birth, and He will never have a date of death. In Exodus three. When Moses asked God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Mm. God is self-existent. 
Um, so this is where we can, we can get a little nitpicky about language because the language we use is important here. So we would say that Jesus is begotten of the Father, as stated in the Nicene Creed. I shared the Nicene Creed a couple weeks ago. Um, but the Nicene Creed says that Jesus is the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. God is not created or made, and his Son Jesus is not created or made, but begotten of the Father. And the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. This is careful language that delineates between a created being and an uncreated being. And I know this may feel a little heady tonight, but I think some of us, we've been in church, a lot of us, maybe we've been in church all our lives, and we don't really, we've never heard this taught or explained. Or I, I want us tonight as we're listening to this, not, not just hearing information or gaining knowledge, but really meditating on this, that that God is um, self-existent. He, he, he wasn't born. And um, anyway, keep going. John, the eighth chapter, verse 58. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. We were, we were watching The Chosen the other night, and Jesus had uh, read in the synagogue from Isaiah when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And uh, so they, they get into this argument with some of the Pharisees and they said, you, you've broken the law of Moses. And I love Jesus' response. And he said, I am, I am the law, the law of, Moses. of Moses. It was an, how many of y'all are watching The Chosen? And you, when Jesus said that, we were like, yes, you are. You yeah. are the law of Moses. Oh my goodness. So powerful. So powerful. Okay. God is uncreated. He has no creator. He is the creator. He is eternally, eternally pre-existent. And from him comes all life. All life has its source in God. Everything is dependent upon the life of God. But the life of God is not dependent upon anything. God is self-existent. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Oh my goodness. This is just going to evoke praise out of us. This is why I love, I love this series because it's like we're spending these weeks just like bragging on God. This is who God is. And as a worship leader, I'm like, this is who he is. Look at him. Oh my goodness. Okay. And, and I, it's like I turn the news on and I see all the bad stuff and I just turn it off and say, but God is yes. amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So God is self-existent and God is eternal. I've got to keep moving here. His self-existence and eternality is how we can say that time is a created thing. Time is God's creation. The God of the universe has created time, and therefore he is outside of it. 
And he sees all of time at one time. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the beginning and the end. A friend of ours used to say, he sees the end and he works backwards. <laughs> Revelation 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I love any time we're singing those lyrics. We sang that tonight, who was and is and is to come. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, um, we're, ta- we're talking about the Lamb of God in, in this verse. We're told that the Lamb of God, Jesus, was slain before the creation of the world. Let's read it. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So was Jesus slain on a Roman cross over 2,000 years ago? We're about, to, we're about to celebrate it in a few weeks. Or was Jesus slain from the creation of the world? The answer is yes. He is slain outside of time, but then he enters into time during the incarnation and lives on the earth for 33 years as a human being, and he's crucified on a Roman cross. So before Adam and Eve ever sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was already a sacrifice that had been made. God was not shocked. He was not caught off guard by Adam's sin. No, God is prepared. Why is he prepared? Why is he prepared? <laughs> because he's outside of time. Why is he ready with the sacrifice? Because he is outside of time. He stands at the beginning of time and at the end of time, and he knows everything in the middle. This should bring you such great peace tonight. He is surprised by nothing. Everybody say, nothing. Nothing. Psalm 90, verses 1 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God is self-existent, and he is eternal. Okay, so now we're going to go, uh, we're going to now talk about another attribute, this word immutable. Immutable. That doesn't mean you can't shut God up. <laughs> Some of you went over your head. I'm just trying to be funny. You have to just bear with me. I'm from the 1900s. Okay. God is immutable. Immutable is a big word that simply means unchanging. Everybody say unchanging. 
In Malachi 3, verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. God's immutable character is perfectly displayed for us in Jesus. In Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, we can all say it, is the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The same God that Moses knew is the same God that I know. Do you hear what I just said? The same God that Moses knew is the same God that I know. The same God that David worshipped is the same God I worship. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God that we all relate to. You are the same God. We're going to sing that at the end of service. I'm calling but. on the God of Jacob. Yeah. Sometimes we can get into the word of God and it feels so foreign to us. That's why I love if you, of course, you know, we've had the blessing to get to go to Israel a few times and I pray that we all get the chance to go again. Um, when you get to see the land where what you're reading about took where these things happened. It just comes to life in a way, but sometimes we can be so far removed. It's, it's like, we can't really grasp like, is this, this, oh, this is, this is the same this God is the that place. I worship. Yeah. yeah. Um, a common misconception is that God was one way in the old Testament. And then suddenly in the new Testament, this really nice guy comes on the scene named Jesus and somehow God has changed. He was mean in the old Testament, but now he's, he's really kind the in the new Jesus. Testament, the gentle Jesus. Yeah. Um, but the God of the old Testament is loving, merciful, patient, generous, and wrathful. And Jesus is loving, merciful, patient, generous, and wrathful. People like uh, to only talk about the gentle Jesus. Y'all seen the ad campaign? He's, he gets us, right? <laughs> um, the world is fine with this Jesus, but they don't realize that Jesus said of himself, I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. All it takes is um, opening up the Gospels and reading, and we see that um, Jesus offended uh, many, and um, Remember, he's still he spoke, offending some today. <laughs> he said to the Pharisees, oh, hypocrites! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the God of the Old Testament is the same God that we see in the New Testament, because God doesn't change. I said this uh, a few weeks ago, the, the Old Testament... Um, is like a finely furnished room that is dimly lit. And in the New Testament, it's like all the lights come on and we see it. Yeah, um, that's good. But, but God doesn't change. The God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you are the same. Yeah. 
and your years have no end. 1 Samuel 15, 29. Samuel is uh, quoting quoting a, a book from Numbers. God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. God doesn't change. And so that means he hasn't changed his mind about you. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants relationship with you. This is really good news. God doesn't have mood swings. Let's break that down. God doesn't have mood swings. Let's compare. You know, I know it's like in our household. Let's talk about me. (laughs) Let's talk about me. You know, do your kids, you know, as your kids get older, those of you who have older kids, you know, it's like, and they want to have a conversation with you about something and they're trying to find just the right time to talk to you about it. Um, I've been told from my adult children that they have waited to have conversations with me until I'm in a... I'm in a better mood. They said because you're the mean one. Because I'm the mean one, apparently. <laughs> I don't think you're mean at all. I just think you. Oh my gosh. Or but matter God, of fact. God. We... <laughs> but we don't have to find the perfect time to talk to God about something, depending on his mood. He is always ready to listen, he's always ready to have fellowship with us and to speak to us. So although the world and culture has changed, although the spirit of the age is different, God does not change. And his word remains true. This concept is foreign to us because we as human beings are in a constant state of change. We're always changing. We're either, we get better or we get worse. We improve or we deteriorate, we decline. But for God, there is no improving. He is perfect. There's no update on God. There's no God 2.0, 3.0. No, God doesn't have a peak. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All of us as humans, we have a peak. We have a peak um, earning age. Did you know that? That's kind of depressing to think about sometimes. Um, we have a peak. Um, we have a, a peak time of our strength, a, a peak performance. Um, but God has no peak. He's like, he's, he's up there all the time. His record is perfect. He doesn't get tired. He's not moody. He doesn't improve. He doesn't decay. God is the same all the time. Okay, so I got to throw a question out. If God doesn't change his mind, then what about the places in scripture where it seems God does change his mind? I'm glad you asked that question. For instance, we know the story when Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah with the prophetic word from the Lord that he was going to die to get his house in order. Isaiah left the room. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and began to cry out to God. By the time Isaiah got to the corridor out in the... By the time, were you going to say by the time Isaiah got to the car? To the car. (laughs) (laughs) To his horse. God spoke to him a second time and said, go back in and tell Isaiah, because you turned your face to me, I'm going to give you 15 more years. 
Maybe God was always going to give Hezekiah more time. But because he has established humans to have authority, he needed Hezekiah to put a demand on heaven's supply. Perhaps he was testing Hezekiah. This is called faith. God responds to relationship. And he put Hezekiah in this place. God is all-knowing. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees it from outside of time. But he needed to test Hezekiah. Uh, Same thing in the book of Exodus. God repented, it says, uh, that he had created man and was just going to destroy them. But Moses began to intercede for the people and said, God, don't kill them, don't kill them. He put a demand on heaven's supply. Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the wedding. Perhaps Jesus already knew he was going to turn water into wine. But because he responds to relationship, he waited for his mother to place, to put a demand. I love that. Put a demand on heaven's supply. I think maybe you're in a situation. Maybe you're facing something. Maybe there are insurmountable financial obligations that you don't see your way out of. I just want to charge you to put a demand on the supply of heaven. Perhaps God is testing your faith. So as we look at both the Old and New Testament believers, we can see um, a deficit between what we are experiencing and what they experienced. Mm. But fellowship with him, trust in his word, living by faith, standing on the promises of God are the same realities for us today as they were for Old and New Testament believers. So this thought brings us comfort as we enter into the struggles that we face every day. But the same thought should challenge us. As we look at the New Testament church and the power that they walked in, the communion that they experienced with the Lord amidst persecution, amidst hardship, That's a challenge to us because how can we remain content with with the the walk that we are experiencing when we see what God did in the New Testament church? I'm just telling you right now, I'm not satisfied. When I look at that, when I see, God has done great things in my life. I have been, we have been people of faith and have stepped out, but there is so much more that God has for us. And I, I see this as a challenge to me and to us as believers to say, man, God, what you did in scripture, I want to see that. I want to see those things with my own eyes. I want to step out and believe you for more. I want to put a demand on heaven's supply. I want to know you more. So that I can walk in those things that I read uh, in, in Scripture. So if God is the same, 
This is not an issue that we can turn away from. We must level up our understanding of who God is and we must put a demand on heaven's supply. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come back and as we were just, as we were studying this week, I just, I already said we're gonna sing, sing same God. This is what I want us to do as we worship here in just a moment. I want us to really... Um, meditate and focus on the words that we're singing. I know sometimes sometimes we do that and sometimes our mind can wander as we worship and, and read lyrics on a screen. But I, I want to know in a greater dimension the God of the Bible. I want to level up my relationship with him. I want to see um, miracles, signs and wonders. We've, we've talked multiple times about watching The Chosen. I keep plugging it like, I hope y'all are watching The Chosen. It is such a blessing. But we're, one of the episodes we watched recently was when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two um, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And they were like, Jesus, we're supposed to go and do that? And they did. And God used them in such a powerful way. And it's like, we feel the same way, don't we? Like, God, we're supposed to go do that. I don't know. I don't think I've got what it takes. And all he is requiring of us is just a yes. Our final scripture, Psalm 33, verse 11. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. This amazing God, the God of the Bible, is still within reach, still longs to be close. This, this one who is so uh, unapproachable, wants to draw near, wants, invites us to draw near. The one that is described, the unapproachable light. We sing, how great is our God. And we just sing it because the words are on the screen. But if you can start every song you sing that you can embrace the lyric in such a way how great is our God there is nothing that we face that he doesn't have the answer for and he invites us into this place to, to walk it out to see the miracles to see, to see, I remember it was like uh, uh, last Sunday, Gracie gives me a call and she's on the prayer team and she's praying for two people and they get healed right on the spot. And then she starts praying for a girl who has anxiety issues and then she starts manifesting a demon. So she just casts the devil out. I, I didn't know she knew how to cast out devils. 
but we don't even talk about it because we're afraid. But our God is a great God. He's the same God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And And we we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.